Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Southcom podcast. I'm Rich Crusan, and it's an honor and privilege to have Ambassador Gene Maines, the civilian deputy to the commander, United States Southern Command, returning to the Southcom podcast. Ambassador Maines was recently with us to tell us about women, peace, and security. Today, she will talk to us about another hugely important global topic and what the United States and Southcom are doing about it. Illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing Welcome to the Southcom podcast, Madam Ambassador. Thank you, Rich. It's great to be back. We are glad to have you back, ma'am. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, some of your State Department experiences, and your position and responsibilities at Southcom? Absolutely. So I've been with the State Department for going on almost 29 years now and served at our embassies all around the world, as well as in Washington, D.C., and most recently, prior to this position, was the U.S. Ambassador to El Salvador. And in this position, it's one of only two commands that has two deputy commanders, one civilian and one military. And so I sit in the civilian deputy commander and look at a range of foreign policy issues as the main foreign policy advisor to the commander, and then also have specific portfolios related to women, peace and security, human rights, and of course now, illegal, unreported, unregulated fishing. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate the personal information. Madam Ambassador, Florida International University's Stephen J. Green School of International and Public Affairs hosted a virtual IUU fishing conference on the 3rd of February. At least they had the opening. It was part of the third day of a much larger FIU State of the World 2021 conference. Former Costa Rican president and current interim director of the Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Center at Florida International University, Luis Guillermo Solis, was the conference moderator. And the Southcom commander, Admiral Craig Fowler, kicked off the event with IUU fishing remarks. And as I understand, there were over a thousand people that had registered, but many more attended through other ways. Ma'am, can you describe the IUU problem set and describe what traction to date amplifying and illuminating the IUU problem has garnered? Well, that's a great question. So why are we even talking about this? It's about way more than fish. It gets into human rights in terms of slavery on ships. So people who are brought on ships, their pay is held, their passports are held, and they're basically not released by companies. It gets into environmental issues, so the dumping that happens on these ships, the throwing of trash, the dumping of oil, the scraping of the bottom of the sea with nets that are sometimes as large as five football fields, if you can just picture that in your mind, nets that are five football fields long, scraping the bottom of the ocean. It gets into food sustainability. So large portion of the population depend on fish protein. And already in Asia and Africa, between 70 and 80% of fish populations are depleted, which is why we're seeing this increase in the Western hemisphere because they've already overfished those areas closer to home. And then it gets into a sovereignty issue. So you have foreign large fishing vessels coming into the exclusive economic zones of countries. And so they're taking away fishing from local fishermen. So then now those local fishermen no longer have jobs. And then that gets into a security issue. 
So when those local coastal community fishermen no longer have jobs, what do they do to feed their families? And they either migrate to the United States or to the internal part of the country, or maybe they facilitate the drug runners and supply them with fuel and the necessities they need, not because they want to, but because they no longer have that income. And I saw that firsthand in El Salvador. I went to one of these small fishing communities called Los Cobanos, and I showed up and all the little fishing boats, the little wooden fishing boats were up on the shore. So I went over, talked to them, and one fisherman, the captain, Mario, he said to me, I said, well, why is nobody fishing? He said, there are no more fish. And he said, I'm a fifth generation fisherman, but there are just no more fish. You know, he's not aware that there are these fishing vessels sitting a hundred miles off the coastline. And that's the reason there are no more fish. He just knows that his little boat that goes out 20 miles can't find any fish. So the reason we're talking about it is because it cuts across all of those issues. And we're on this path where the fishing population across Asia, Africa have already been depleted. And so we know what the story is for the Western hemisphere, unless we take urgent, immediate action. I haven't seen too many actual activities or events that have occurred talking about IUU fishing. In your opinion, can academia generate the needed illumination the IUU problem set requires? Will efforts like this conference bring the essential awareness to problems associated with illegal, unreported, unregulated fishing, or will this clearly harmful practice and significant global problem be outweighed by COVID, climate change, domestic political news? We can absolutely take action. And, you know, sometimes in foreign policy and other issues, there's a spark. And so it's been an issue for decades, and you've seen incremental progress but there are big things that need to happen. And then there's something that happens that pulls everybody together and puts the spotlight on an issue. And that's what happened with IUU. So last March, we all watched as 350 plus vessels from the Chinese deep water fishing fleet showed up off the coast of the UNESCO World Heritage Site, Galapagos Islands, Ecuador. And you know, the first articles started coming out from the BBC and the Guardian and people connected with it because people know the Galapagos Island. They know the biodiversity that exists there. They know the hundred year old turtles that are there, the unique species that are there. And suddenly we had an opportunity to really take that story and use it for something much bigger than the Galapagos because the same type of predatory activity was happening off the coast of Africa, off the coast of Asia, off the coast of Argentina, but people weren't really connecting with it in a global way. And so we took that and we pulled the interagency together, the White House pulled together meetings across the government to try and use this as a galvanizing force to make substantive change. And so that's really, we have to take this momentum and run with it. And what do we want to do with that? So there are a number of courses of action that need to happen. The first one is the World Trade Organization has on their agenda to end subsidies for illegal fishing. Now you would think that already has happened, right? Why would you subsidize illegal activity? But it is still legal to subsidize 
some of the deep water fleets, even though it is well known that they are using these predatory illegal practices, either going in the EEZs of countries or using these nets that are no longer allowed. And so they need to pass that and make it not profitable or not as profitable because it is those government subsidies from the Chinese government that are going to these massive deep water fishing fleets that make that, you know, the incentive, the monetary incentive to keep doing this practice. And then there are a number of coordination efforts that have to happen across countries. So what we saw with Ecuador, because no one country can fight this, they joined with Peru, they joined with Colombia, they joined with Costa Rica, all to form a unified course of action. And that's really what we need to see. This past month, we had the first uh, U.S. Coast Guard cutter go out on a specific combating illegal, unregulated, unreported fishing mission to Guyana, Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. Again, joining countries. And then we'll get into in a few minutes the role of technology, because that actually is incredibly exciting. Ma'am, shifting gears, you did give us a great vignette about El Salvador and about walking up on fishermen on the beach that weren't fishing because there were no more fish. Clearly, shows how this impacts on the economic lives of families. Were there any other significant revelations you heard during the conference or anything you learned from the remarks heard? So for those who are just you know, getting into this issue and really wanna learn more, one of the best books is, and he was on the panel with us, is Pulitzer Prize winning author, Ian Urbina. He has a book called Ocean Outlaw and really goes through the human rights or what he refers to as slavery on ships. And so I think that's an interesting element. Also on the panel was the president of Global Fishing Watch. And they are really the leading NGO in the technology space. And so what they do is they use satellite data and there is a transponder that is required on every ship of a certain size called the AIS system, the Automatic Information System. For a normal person like me, I think of it as the GPS for ships. And so it's a tracking device. And so they're taking that data along with other data and you can track in real time, where are all these vessels? By the name of the ship, by the vessel number, by the flag, so which country is it flagged to? And you can see when they go into the exclusive economic zone of a country. And that's exactly what we did uh, last March with the Chinese vessels off the Galapagos. So we worked with Global Fishing Watch as well as our own J2 intelligence operation. And we tracked those vessels and we were able to definitively show that for more than eight hours a day, they were turning off those tracking devices. And there's only two reasons you do that. One is if you're under immediate threat by a pirate or some other activity. And the other is because you're trying to hide what you are doing. And so of course, if you're traveling in a floating city of 350 vessels, you're probably not under attack by a pirate <laughs> and you're trying to disguise what you're doing. And so the Chinese have always insisted they're not doing anything. And so we were able to take that information, pass it to the governments of Peru and Ecuador, 
And then they were able to go and we were able to put that online and showcase to the world that in fact, here's the list of vessels and here's all the time that they were turning off those transponders. And that is so powerful because you're really getting at transparency, which I think the conference really highlighted two things. You need transparency of the information and you need traceability in the seafood industry. What does that mean? Traceability is so you know where a product comes from and there's traceability throughout every step of the supply chain. So from catch to plate, and that currently does not exist in the seafood industry. We went through this in the 90s with the textile industry. Many will remember you know, the sweatshops across mostly Asia and other countries, but they were feeding into supply chains of major US companies. And then suddenly the public got involved. They're like, we don't wanna support child labor or unhealthy work conditions. And suddenly the industry had to change and take control and responsibility for their supply chains. And that is exactly where we need to be heading in the seafood industry. It's full traceability of the supply chains. I certainly think that's possible. We know where bad beef comes from. If we can do it with beef and other, other commodities, we certainly can do it with fishing. You know, clearly this conference demonstrated the seriousness of this problem set. Are there any other ideas where we go from here? You've already talked about this traceability. Is there, is there a great or a better way ahead, ma'am? So one of the exciting things on the way ahead is we're actually working with Florida International University. So the goal was not to have a conference. The goal was to produce results. And we are working with Florida International University on a center focused on domain awareness. So again, getting that information into the public domain, unclassified information from a variety of sources so that governments, academics, journalists, and citizen activists all over the world can access the data. So we're working with FIU, we're working with Global Fishing Watch and many others to feed into this domain awareness center so that again, we can get to the transparency piece. And then on the way ahead, needs to be many conversations with governments in the region to join efforts, to share data, and then also to work with the private sector on the traceability piece. But I will say, you know, every time we travel in the region with Admiral Fowler and myself, for every Minister of Defense or Chief of Defense, combating illegal fishing is in their top three security threats, along with cybersecurity and combating transnational criminal networks or narco trafficking. It's in the top three because they see on the ground how it's devastating the local economy and then the environment for those who are tourism dependent. And so many other issues are tied to this one issue and they see it increasing year by year. And again, you don't need to imagine what's gonna happen. You can just look to Asia and Africa at the levels of depletion of the seafood stock and the fish stocks. If we don't take immediate serious action then that's what will happen to this hemisphere. So that's the urgency. And so it's so exciting to see this as part of the global agenda. The US now has a special envoy for climate, former Secretary John Kerry, as part of the National Defense Authorization Act that was passed in January. There's a new committee at the White House 
on the ocean. And so that will pull together the 22 government agencies and entities that work on ocean issues from NOAA to DOD to the State Department and everybody in between. So it's a very exciting time. And I think, you know, we have the momentum and the stars are aligned to really make a lot of progress in a short amount of time. My only thought was it, it takes more than just one, two, three countries. It takes more than just three organizations. It takes everyone trying to get involved across the global spectrum, if you will, ma'am. And I just wanted to say thank you, Madam Ambassador, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak to the listeners today and your willingness to participate in this podcast. You know you're always welcome in the future. We hope to have you back. Absolutely. Always glad to be here. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Listeners, next podcast is going to be countering transnational criminal organizations. And it looks like Rama Watkins will be back with us as well. Thank you for your time and listening today.